Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. On this Thursday in Phoenix, John Gambadoro and Tim Ring, the ringer. He's become our, he's become our, uh, our go-to guy in the bullpen. That's our right. go-to guy. In, in case of emergency, uh, yeah. break glass, right? Yeah, yeah. When Terry Lovello's looking for a bullpen arm, he goes right to Tim Ring. That's what we do. <laughs> Call we, go down, we go to the bullpen. Our first guy out, it's Tim Ring. <laughs> Need you to give us three innings right now, Tim. Let's go. Give us three good innings. All right, I'll get. I get. I got you till five o'clock. Yeah, that's, that's all what I we get. look for. Yeah, you know, I just went yesterday, so I can only do three hours today. Oh, you did go yesterday? No, I didn't. But I'm just trying to get out of here early. Oh, I'm trying to get a three-hour <laughs> show. I get. It, I get it. So Bernsey's off today. Somebody in that he knows has a wedding on a Thursday. Who has weddings on Thursday? You know, he. Told I mean, me- I get that it's cheaper. Like, but who gets married on a Thursday? I'm sure the guests appreciate it. Hey, you got to come on a Thursday. Everybody's right. going to take work off. Right. So you, you want to drink? No, I got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> like usually Friday, people could drink. They could have fun. They could they could let loose. They got the day off the next day. Or Saturday, I mean Saturday for Sunday. Uh, Thursday wedding. I guess it's half the price. Whatever. So somebody's getting married. So Bernsey is out today. We will take you up until six o'clock. Bill Armstrong is going to join us, the Coyotes GM. So we'll talk to him. But we got a lot to get to. Let's not waste any time. Let's tell you what our top story of the day is. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Yeah, the way it is that they beat their ass again. The Phoenix Suns beat the Warriors 131-19. They beat them to a pulp. It was never a game. Like, it was never really a game. The Warriors have lost eight straight road games. Um, and, and what was great about yesterday's game, what was great about last night's game, now I'm going to get into these trade rumors that are all over the place in a little bit because I'm sure a lot of you that are on social media, you're seeing all these trade. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on with that in a little while. So just stay tuned. I'll give you the latest on that with Jay Crowder and whether there's anything to these rumors that you're all tweeting me about and hearing. And um, we'll get to that in a little bit. What was great about last night's game is that finally Devin Booker got the help that we've been craving for. He got the help. Mikhail Bridges was sensational last night. Cameron Payne who was 4 of 17 from the field in the Miami game, was on fire last night. I've never seen Cameron Payne play better than that. 9 out of 17 from the field, 6 out of 10 from deep, career-high 29 points, 7 assists, just 2 turnovers. Cameron Payne and Mikhail Bridges Bridges were outstanding last night, and they take so much of the pressure off of Devin Booker when they're able to do that. You didn't need Booker to go for 50. Curry went for 50, and they lost because the Suns had some of their key role players step up and deliver last night. I'll tell you this. The common theme of that 1-3 and road trip was pretty simple. When Devin Booker got help from secondary scorers, they won a game. It happened in Minnesota. Mikel Bridges was off the charts good in that game. The three games they lost, Booker didn't have a whole lot of help. Nope. And and, and basically, essentially, Bridges and Aiton kind of just did what they normally do. Well, that's not good enough with Chris Paul and Cam Johnson out. Those guys have to be secondary scorers. They can't just be guys who can score. They have to be scorers. And I thought 
Bridget, now what, still DA, DA last night, okay, you know, it just wasn't a big scoring night for him. But when campaign shoots like that and pumps in 29, a career high, and then Bridges does all the dirty work, knocking down threes, 23 points. Campbell, he had a career high nine assists in the game to go along with nine rebounds. So he was on the doorstep great. of a triple double. All five starters in double figures. Tory Craig knocked down three three pointers last night. I was going to say, Craig maybe had one of the more underrated games sure. of the, of, 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 of the starting five last night and that, you know, Gambo, I mean, he's not the shooter Cam Johnson is, obviously. What Torrey Craig does is he brings a lot of different things to the to the team, but those are those are attributes that are really more suited for a guy coming off the bench as an energy guy, right? But he's got to start. And when he's got an open jumper on the wing or in the corner, he's got to take it. He's got to take the open three, and he knocked down three of them last night, scored 13 points, grabbed 10 rebounds. You get that kind of production out of these starting five, you can do more than just tread water until CP3 and Cam Johnson get Chris back Chris Paul out missed there. his fourth straight game. You've got no Cam Johnson. You had no Landry Shaman. They beat their asses. They just beat him to a pulp. They did. The Sun shot, this is ridiculous. They were sizzling 21 out of 40 from three-point range. 21 out of 40. They shot 52 Point five percent. Now you know I, I you know I chart this stuff. You saw my email. I'm crazy in charting stuff. First sub, second sub, third sub. You know, <laughs> Lee comes in for Payne because Payne picked up a second foul early in the f- first quarter. So Cam Payne picked up a second foul, and then they brought Lee in. Payne had to go to the bench. Eight oh five left in the first quarter. So about four minutes into the first quarter, Cameron Payne's got to go to the bench, and he ends up having that incredible game. He was just so good. The thing that was amazing to me. It's just how many open threes does Phoenix Suns get because they're just worried so much worried about Devin Booker. And that's where you've got to make him pass. Like did those two back-to-back three-pointers by Damian Lee late in the game, it's like they're wide open. Like they doubled DA with Dante DiVincenzo and Lamb. They left Lee all alone in the corner, wide open three. You know, I, there was my favorite play of the game was actually in the fourth quarter. Um, Landale... Fast break, splits four defenders, gets the pass from Washington, goes in for a dunk. They had to call a timeout. It's like, wow. I mean, that was, I love the energy that Landale plays with. Um, they never really let him back into the game. Curry was going off, but you know what? If nobody else is doing anything, you can overcome that. And they were able to overcome this outstanding game by Steph Curry because the other Warrior players, and we'll talk about the Warriors in a little bit, um, but they were able to overcome that because the Suns just played great basketball. They moved the ball around. They got assists. They blocked shots. Uh, it was, it was fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, they were hitting their three-point shots. It was a fun game to watch for Phoenix fans. Mikel Bridges hit a couple of contested threes, but I'll tell you, campaign. So many wide open. Campaign had so many wide open threes. I was waiting for him at one point to lick his thumb and check the wind before he <laughs> released the basketball. And that's, you know, that's an indictment of the the way this Golden State team right now. They're defending people, and they're not defending people at all. Gamble the Suns scored seventy-two points, as you know, in the first half when they beat this team here a while back, they also scored 72 points in the first half. Steve Kerr was asked about getting Steph Curry some more offensive help at halftime, and Kerr was like, I'm not worried about the offense. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not stopping these guys. And listen, you take, no- get you take nothing away from campaign. He's knocking down the shots, and Bridges knocked down the shots, and Lee knocked down the shots. 
But man, they were wide open. They were wide open. Wide open. Looks. And you credit the Suns' offense, of course, for that. But you also you look at the Golden State Warriors and say, w- w- you know, we'll talk about them in a second. But man, like, what is this team doing defensively? There's just no effort out there at all. No, they were more technical. You had double techs on Draymond and DA for arguing. You had the technical. I know Monty wasn't happy about the Cameron Payne. I don't know if we have that sound, but Monty was not happy with uh, the Cameron Payne technical at the end of the game when he took that swat at Clay Thompson. You're up big, and, you know, he. he, he he went for the ball, and he went aggressively for the ball. They looked at it. They gave him a flagrant. I don't think Monty was very happy about that. You know, did you notice when when Draymond and DeAndre got double T's in that fourth quarter, the announcers didn't mention it because I'm not sure they saw it, but as they were getting ready to throw the ball and the Suns were, uh, Draymond Green just shoved Aiton in the back, just pushed him for no reason as they were about to inbound the ball. Then on that possession, D.A., frustrated, throws an elbow and gets the offensive foul, and then Green is in his ear the whole way down the court, and they end up getting double teed. DeAndre Ayton's got to watch that. That's Draymond Green's game in terms of getting under somebody's skin. And I don't know if they're going to face these guys in the playoffs or or whatever. But again, don't let Draymond Green get the best of you like that. He's pushing and he's kneeing and he's shoving and he's talking trash. Don't get double teed. Don't 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 fall for that Ayton. And really, more so, gamble the double T. It was the offensive foul that Ayton got to end the possession because he was frustrated because Draymond Green was giving him the business. Yeah, I mean, T.A. had an okay game. I mean, he was... That's what he's been all... 14 points and 7 rebounds. Like, he was all right. Um, But all five starters in double figures, uh, their bench was better than the Warriors' bench, which is terrible. I mean, Curry had 17 points in the first quarter. I mean, 17... It was 36-33 in the first quarter. It was a high-scoring game. Uh, He missed only one shot the entire quarter. It was the second most points in any quarter that he had this season. But then you go out the second quarter, the Suns start with the Koji, Lee, Landale, Payne, and McHale. Three guys who weren't even on the team last year. And a Koji, Lee, and Landale. And like nothing changes. Like I always look at like I always look at I don't know if you look at things the way I do, but Book goes out of the game at the end of the first quarter, they're up by three. When by the time Book comes back in the game, six minutes and seventeen seconds left in the second quarter, the Suns are up by six. I'm big on that. Like I'm really big on, I always chart this, when Devin Booker goes to the game, what's the score? When Devin Booker comes back into the game, what's the score? Can they? You would hope you could keep it even, right? You would hope if you could keep it even, that's a win. Or even if you give up a point or two or three, that's a win. They increase the lead. With Devin Booker out of the game, from three points to six, or when Booker comes back into the game, they're up by six, not three. I, I think that is huge, huge. And I always chart that because when your star player goes to the bench is when the other team absolutely has to take advantage and make their runs. Go on a 10-2 run and force them to bring him back earlier. But the Suns played so well without him that they were able to increase the lead. I, I always look at that. I think that's a big thing in the game. And it was a, a big part of the, the shooting of Cameron Payne during that stretch that you're talking about. And Gamble, that was a hallmark of the Suns' 64-win team last year, that when when Booker and Chris Paul went to the bench, that uh, that bench came in. And man, not, not only not only did they did they hang tough, a lot of times they extended the leads that the starters had built. And that goes a long way. Now, their bench is a little different this year. I mean, Cam Johnson, when he's healthy, is not on that bench. He's in the starting lineup. Jay Crowder should have been on the bench, but he's he's gone to <laughs> Never Never Land, apparently. Uh, but if 
the Suns can get that kind of production from their bench that they got last year, man, I, I'll tell you, you know, Damian Lee has been a find, and this Jock Landale. I mean, I talk about it on the on the Suns post game shows when I get the opportunity to fill in. Love for a Bloomer. This Great. Guy, yep. This this kid, this kid's got a game, man. He he can, he he can do a lot of little things. He's not shooting the three great percentage wise, but he can knock it down. He just does a lot of little things, and I think I was worried about the loss of JaVale McGee, and I think Jock Landell has filled those shoes admirably and more. All right, what did we learn the most from Hard Knocks last night? Well, don't eat an entire bag of popcorn. We'll explain next on Arizona Sports. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So much to take out of that Hard Knocks episode. I had to watch it this morning with the Suns and the Warriors game last night and then chasing down some of the rumors, which we'll get to in just a little bit. I, uh, I focused on Hard Knocks this morning, tried to get my takes out of it, trying to see if the Eno Benjamin thing was going to come out. I hear that could be next week. I'm hearing that that could be in uh, next week's. But did get a chance to watch Hard Knocks. The first episode was a lot better than the second episode. Uh, much better. But I thought that Kelvin Beecham came out as like one of the stars. I thought they, you know, showing the, you know, little insight into Kelvin Beecham and who he is. I, uh, I thought that was pretty good. And the whole, the appendix, and it ended up being that he ate too much popcorn. He had an entire bag of popcorn, and that's all it was. He had a bellyache or something. But, oh, it could be your appendix. No. He ate an entire... And then they go, I mean, after it, they show him eating more popcorn. Like, maybe put the popcorn put down. Put the popcorn down. I thought it was funny that, listen, if you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna make up a potential ailment, go big. Go big. Go appendicitis. So that way, yes, <laughs> you get some sympathy for missing right. practice. But it turns out he's eating too much popcorn. And then I laughed about that. I wrote it down. They show him over there, and he's still eating the popcorn. Yeah, still eating the popcorn. Now they had it. They had him mic'd up in the game. So I wonder if Beecham oh, was always man. going to be a featured a, yes, player yeah. this week, or they decided to make him one after. Popcornitis. He was talking so much crap to Floyd. Yeah. Oh man, just look at the scoreboard. Like he kept talking stuff. Like he, yeah. I mean, he was he was giving. Just look at the scoreboard. All of that stuff. But there was a little, the, the things that I took out of that were the Lasita Smith. You know, starting for the first time, how nervous he was, trying to get him to calm down, going up against Aaron Donald, um, and then just the job that they did on him. Um, you know, and then and I think it was Beecham had that line: "Pressure makes diamonds, or it busts pipes." And so I thought that was interesting. And then the Buddha stuff, right? Two to three weeks is what they said. And Buddha's like, I'm trying to get back as fast as I can. And then Buddha's like, I think I'm going to be out three weeks, but I, you know, I'm trying to play. And Kaim said, you're, you're built different. You're just built different. And then Buddha's back out on the field. And you're like, oh. he goes, if it hurts just a little, I'm in. And then game day, there he is, game day. And on the broadcast, you know, they're, they're saying, I can't believe this guy is playing. Uh, the appreciation for Buda Baker just goes through the roof. I mean, every time they show something like that, like there's no way that guy should be on the field. With a high ankle sprain less than a week later, come on. And then he gets a pick and he returns it 51 like, right. yards. You think I mean, you just get it and go down so you don't right. get hurt, and he tries to run it, return it for a touchdown. Talk about a storybook ending to that narrative. No, I mean, the hard knocks people, they got a tough job to do because they go in with a preconceived notion of like, what will be the narrative? this week? Who will we feature? What's the storyline? And then stuff like Buda Baker happens. you got to adjust on the fly because that becomes a very big part of the week that was as well. Going into it, you know they wanted to focus on Lasitas, as you said. Also the narrative of backups trying to go on the road and win a game in L.A. Colt McCoy, obviously, Lasitas Smith. And then they did kind of 
promote J.J. Watt and Steve Kime a little bit. They went to Watt's house. J.J. with the family, yeah. walking the dogs, the, and, new, the, new, you know, the son. Sure, absolutely. And they were in the car with Steve Kime. So obviously that was something I think you that always, was set up. I think you always have to have J.J. in every in every um, every week. You got to feature J.J. a little bit. You know, he is a, he's a national star. He is. You can't. I think you have to have something on JJ every single week because remember, this is for football fans across the country, not just Cardinal fans. This is for football fans everywhere. JJ Watt's a star. He's gonna. People are gonna be drawn to JJ Watt more than I'll be drawn to Kelvin Beecham or Lasita Smith or even Buddha. Like JJ Watt, national star, TV commercial, all that stuff. So I think you've always got to feature JJ doing something. Yeah, it's not. Listen, it's it's not just built for Cardinal fans. We were just talking about this the other day. They. They have to appeal to the national audience, which is why the Eno Benjamin thing. Listen, maybe it was just a timeline deal where, hey, we cover from the Seahawks game to the Rams game. And the Eno thing obviously happened after the Rams game or late. So that'll be a part of next week's show. But at the end of the day... Eno Benjamin is not a guy that moves the meter nationally. Like, okay, people all over the country are wondering how Eno Benjamin got released. That was of a keen local interest. But I will say this. If they captured on camera Eno Benjamin going off on his position coach and causing a stink, you best believe that will be in the show unless the Cardinals nix it. Because Hard Knocks, the producers and directors, are going to they have the footage, Gambo. They're going to want that in next week. So we'll see exactly what comes. Or what about Eno getting released in Steve's office or Cliff's office? Is that with the cameras allowed in on that? We're going to find I, out I next would be, week. Boy, I'll tell you, if they show what really happened, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. Like, I think that they could probably go through a part of it, but I don't think they can go through all of it as to what happened with Eno. I think they'll go and maybe they'll talk about his, him be not being happy with his playing time and then they release him after the game. But I don't think that they'll, they'll get into, I don't think that they'll get into what like truly, truly happened on that. Now, whether that's them not catching it or them not putting it out there or if the Cardinals said no, I would be surprised if everything came out about what, if that does, I'll be blown away. I don't think it will. Well, the director did give a hint to another media outlet in town that it's something else. So and he meant that in a like, wow, you're not going to believe it when you see it. Now, you're right. Just because it happened doesn't mean the ca- they have a lot of cameras, but they don't have cameras on every player, every second of the game and after the game. So you don't know what they have footage wise. Yeah. Right. But we're going to yeah. we're going to we're going to find out. We're yeah. Gonna, we're I'll gonna be surprised to out. see if I'll be surprised to see if one thing comes out, because then I think people would completely understand why he knows not a team anymore. Let's talk Colt McCoy. Um, I, I like the Colt McCoy stuff. Um, and it was even a point where, you know, on game day. Uh, you know, they, they just called it a master class in execution with him getting the ball out so quick. Antonio Hamilton was like, that's why this guy's in the league for so long. Look how quick he's getting rid of the ball. And, you know, that's why he's been in the league for so long. Like, they were just raving about Colt McCoy and how quickly he was getting rid of the football. Like, it was one, two, bang, one, two, bang, one, two, bang. And that's why there was no, Darren Donald had no impact on the game. He got sacked twice, but that pass rush really never got in. And, they, you know, Colt was in the quarterback room with Cam Turner, and they're talking about, look, if 
we do the little things, the details, um, you know, and, you know, we're going to win. There's not many teams that could beat us. And he said, look, I'm going to be getting out the ball one and a half seconds. I, I got to get rid of this ball quick, you know, especially with the four backup offensive linemen in a game. I thought they really covered that well. The experience of Colt McCoy, how quickly he got rid of the ball, and how much that helped that help them win the football game. Now, listen, Gambo, I don't know what Kyler Murray does in that quarterback room when he's the starting quarterback during that week and for the the game ahead. And I know they may have edited out whatever Cam Turner said, but I was so impressed with Colt McCoy, the leadership and the football acumen he displayed in that moment. In fact, I was joking about it on Twitter and with a friend that if you were just watching that scene and you didn't know who was who and you said, who's the quarterback coach in this room right now? You think it was Colt McCoy? 99.9% of the people would be like, well, obviously that guy's the quarterback coach. You know, the other guys are players. Now, again, to be fair, to Cam Turner, they may have edited out his big speech in that meeting, but for that moment that they showed, Colt McCoy looked like the quarterback coach. Yeah. They highlighted the, uh, they actually highlighted the play to Rondale Moore too, which I'm glad. That's where that 26 yard yard play down the field. They kind of really yeah. hard highlighted that one. So that was a good one. So again, I think the first episode was better, but there's insight. You know, whether, you, whether people like this or not, you know, we did a poll before and a lot of people were saying they weren't going to watch it. But when you watch it, like it's, it's intriguing. You do get behind the scenes looks. You get Steve Kime in his car listening to the post game show. You get Steve and Michael in the booth. With with Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton they had to show them right, so like you know you do get some insight into what's really going on. So I do like the show. I think you get some cool stuff out of it. I am looking forward to next week though, and whether that stuff with uh, with Eno comes out. I don't know how you couldn't like it if you were a Cardinal fan. I'm sure I'm sure football fans all over the country love it. One quick note though, I did laugh at the end of the game. Uh, Colt McCoy was meeting with Sean McVay. Now usually it's kind of like, hey, good luck, man. Good game. Take care, man. We'll talk soon. But McCoy was trying to converse with McVeigh and McVeigh wanted nothing to do with it and McCoy at, one, McCoy at one point goes okay. hey we finally blocked Donald and McVeigh's like yeah 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 he was like we had four backup linemen yeah, playing okay he's kid like, I get it yeah he's like yeah, yeah I know Colt yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He was just, I couldn't believe it. He was saying to us, we had four backup linemen. We beat your, like, right, can I go? Can I go now? Can I go now? Like, the guy's trying to walk away and Colt's still trying to talk to him. Right. Like, hey, like dude, kid, leave me alone. I got to go. Actually, probably the same age. Leave me alone. And I was laughing because you don't think Sean McVay knows that they were playing four backup right, no, linemen. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, great Colt. All right. I get it. Are the Warriors <laughs> a threat in the West? After what you watched last night, after what you've seen this season? Are they done, or is there still a heartbeat left for the Warriors? We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Sanderson Ford has their Operation Santa Claus going, uh, event going on right now. Give to the clause.com. You can win a new Ford F-150 truck or a Lincoln Corsair just by donating uh, food items and children's clothing and toys. For every donation, you get a chance to win. Find out more. Go to give to the clause.com to get involved and maybe win a new car or truck from Sanderson Ford. All right, Eric, what do we got today? I haven't even looked yet. We're going to be talking about this next segment, but something that everybody in the Valley might want for Christmas is a uh, Jay Crowder trade. So we're putting it to the people and okay. we're asking, when do you think Jay Crowder will be traded? You've got four options. Within the month, which is quickly approaching, within the calendar year, by the trade deadline, and not traded at all. Okay, it's good. It's good. Um, 
Not trade at all is not going to happen. That's not gonna happen. I think it's before the trade deadline. Obvious. What do we does, got left? Doesn't, got it, ha- doesn't two, it obviously have to be? With, I'm going to go within the month. Within the month? I'm going to go within the month. Uh, and, we'll, and we'll have an update on the trade reports that you're hearing in just a little bit, so stay tuned. I mean, obviously, gang, I have no idea. I mean, these these trades, I mean, James Jones may get a phone call. You know, we're trying to be in the prediction business on this. Jones may get a phone call tomorrow that he didn't see coming. I mean, this is this is tough. I will say, I'll just say after the holidays. How about that? After the So, after Christmas holidays? Or Man, you think yeah. he's going to sit out half the season? I don't know. Ooh, I mean, they, to, to the new year? But they're not, they're, they're going to they're gonna take a good, they're not going to make a bad deal. No. And I think after no. the holidays, NBA teams might kind of start to know what they have or maybe more importantly what they don't have. And injuries come into play. And, and trades yeah. with the contracts. They're not able to be traded until either December 15th or January. Well, yeah. we're going to mark you down for by the trade deadline, Tim Ring. We're going to okay, talk that's that, that fair the enough. 2023. Gambo, you're saying within the month, that's the leader right now. 47.4% think Jay Crowder will be traded within the next two weeks. In second place, 37.6%. Ringer, that's you. Traded by the trade deadline. In third place is within the calendar year at 8% and 7% saying not traded. However, I think their fingers slipped. All right, there you go. That's our poll question sponsored by Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue in Glendale. We'll check back. I wrote to I'll retweet that for you, and we will check back with you, Eric, at 430 and get an update on that one. All right, there you go. The Gambo bump, right? Isn't that what you call the retweet? That's of the what Bernsey calls it. The That's Gambo what bump. calls it, yes. It's All just right. the, it's the Twitter followers on Twitter. They got 70... 8,000 people or something on Twitter that that, uh, that follow me for some reason. I don't know, but uh, yes. Um, it's like the Howard Stern philosophy. They either love you or they hate you, but 70,000 all follow you. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, Twitter is what it is. I don't know how much I'll use it when I'm not doing this anymore. I think I'll do, uh, like I have Instagram, John Gamble on Instagram. So Instagram is where I put like photos and stuff. I like Instagram. I, I could look at Instagram reels like all day. Like my wife thinks I can get addicted to those. I'll go on Instagram and I'll just hit the reels and it's a lot of it's just travel. It's a lot of travel stuff and music, you know, music to the travel and like, uh, so I can like literally go through like 400 of those in a one hour setting. You showed us your real page. It's literally, it's vacation, vacation, vacation. It's all travel. Like it's all travel. And then, you know, they, they put songs with it, you know. We're only getting older, baby. Yeah, I've been thinking about it lately. Does Every it ever drive you crazy? Just how fast the night changes, and that'll be to a song like to a vacation, or something. So I, I could go through those reels forever. It seems like every other vacation reel has that exact same song on it on those Instagram <laughs> reels. Like, can somebody pick a different song? There like, are different songs. There are different songs. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get into the Warriors. Zero and eight on the road. Zero and eight on the road. They really, you know, in watching them play. It's hard to look at that team and feel like, I don't know how they're going to get out of this rut. Steph Curry goes for 50, and they get they get beat by double digits. Curry's averaging 32.8 points per game. He's shooting 53% from the field, 44.7% from behind the arc. He scores 50 points, and they get beat up pretty good. It's like, to me, it's like they really don't have anything else besides him. Clay's terrible. Draymond's terrible. Their bench is terrible. It's hard to see them getting out of that rut. Where was Draymond Green in the first half last night? Recording a podcast in the locker room? I mean, he was a non-factor. He didn't take his first 
shot in the game, and I marked it down somewhere. First shot attempt it was like midway through the third quarter. It went in from three. It made it eighty-two to seventy-six. Yeah, I mean, the first time he shot the ball, it was eighty-two seventy-three. That's what I'm saying. That's when he first shot the ball, and Clay's clearly. Struggling to refine that shot that he had, obviously, pre-injury. He's just not the same shooter. He was 6 for 17 last night. Listen, he it still looks good going up, but we're just not seeing the results of the ball going in the hoop uh, the way we saw it earlier in Clay Thompson's career. You know, Jordan Poole's supposed to be the, the second coming of right. Clay Thompson and mm-hmm. supposed to be their next great star. I mean, he's 0 for 5 last you night. You think that punch in the face has... It, it, well, I mean, honestly, that punch in the face... I was going to go there. You get knocked out like that. Is it, it, it like is it hard to go to work and look your teammates in the face? You just I, got knocked out. I, I would Actually, I, I think it speaks to a dysfunctional, perhaps, a team that... Maybe a little bit hungover from winning the championship, like this the the championship hangover type deal. But you get the feeling that this whole season began with a big dose of dysfunction, and they can't quite seem to get themselves out of it. Now it's only been fifteen games, and you never want to throw dirt on Steph Curry and Clay and Draymond it's like and all those guys. Twenty percent of the season, fifteen, thirty, uh, sixty. But game of, I mean, it's a such a twenty percent. I'll do I'll do the homework in the break. But what was this team's record in like? You know, late February, all of March last year, they were probably about seven games under five hundred. So they they found they find a way to (laughs) ratchet it up when the games matter later in the season. But man, you know the James Weissman thing—he was supposed to be a bolt of uh, energy along that front line. G League, he's in the G League. He's been terrible. And Wiggins. I mean, Wiggins was all right last night, but man, Curry, that was the quietest 50 I've ever seen because it wasn't an impactful 50. I mean, it kept them with it. had to keep him and do it just to keep him in the game. But every time he scored, you look at the scoreboard, the Suns are still up eight. Well, because he would score and then the Suns would come right back and score. They couldn't get a stop. Right. They couldn't. And that's. Couldn't get stopped. They're not defending. They're not defending and. Again, it looks like a team that is not totally vested in in 100% effort to begin this season. But you're right, Gamble. 15 games are in. Pretty soon it's going to be 20 games in. They haven't won a game on the road. I think they're 4-14 four and 14 since Clay got kicked out of that game a few weeks ago. Clay took 17 shots for 19 points. Yeah. It was like, I'm, he was try, like, he's trying, but he's just not impactful. Draymond had nine points. Draymond had two rebounds in the game. How does Draymond Green have two rebounds in a basketball game? And he wasn't in foul trouble. He only finished with two fouls. That's right. I, I seriously, where was he in the first half when the game was, you know, this was still somewhat winning. It was a three-point game after three one. Three-point game after the first quarter. And then the Suns were up by seven at the end at the half. But the Suns had 72 points. The Suns' defense, was, the defense wasn't great either because Curry was scoring out of his mind. But then the third quarter, like, you know, the Suns, it, it, at one point it was 80-71. to 71. It was a nine-point game. Then, the, you know, then it's a ten-point game. So it, was always, it always stayed somewhere between, like, eight and 12. But you never, like, they never cut it to Five for the most part, it was ten or more. Like I don't know in the fourth quarter. I mean, Lee hits a three, and then the Suns are up by seventeen. He hits another three, and they're up by eighteen. That was their largest of the game. Six and a half minutes left, and the Suns are up by eighteen. That game was over. They don't have enough scoring, and this Jamichael Green. You know, maybe he had a bad night last night, but he looks to me like a guy who couldn't score twenty points if he were alone in the gym by himself for an hour. Um, so, listen, they, 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 Curry's trying to be like a one man band right now. And he, he obviously score he scored fifty in the game. You're doing everything you can, but something's amiss with this team, and they just don't have the score. I mean, think about this: the Suns without Cam Johnson and without. 
Chris Paul essentially kicked the crap out of that team last night. Yeah, and I, 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 and all of a sudden, in, in, in two or three months, this team's going to flip a switch, and suddenly Draymond's going to be back well, to old. I, I just, I, I, I'm with you. I don't know. The only thing that they can hope for is a trade. Maybe they trade Wiseman and gets another piece. Their bench is ter- Their bench is, and it was a nugget on this last night about how bad their bench is. Um, their bench has been outscored. Going into the game, they were outscored by 69 points, tied with the Pistons for the worst in the league. Their bench got outscored by seven, so now their bench has out been spent outscored by 76 points. That's the worst in the the worst in the NBA. The Warriors bench when the bench when their bench is in the game, they're going to lose points, and you can't play these guys because they're old. Draymond, Curry, Clay, those guys are old. So it's not like you just run those guys out there and play them 40 minutes a game. You can't do it. They need rest. No, and, and Jordan Poole was a big scorer for them last year. I think and, the, I'm about, telling you, I think the punch in the face has something to do with it. Yeah, and, uh, you I know, just do. I think it's 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 man. It's got to be hard to go to work with somebody just you know that did that to you. But a DiVincenzo, you know the kid they got, you know from Milwaukee. I mean, you know he's a decent player. Yeah, he, he hit two three point. He cut. He hit a three pointer in the fourth quarter. Then hit another three pointer in the fourth quarter. That brought it to eight. That's as close as they got. They got to eight back back to back three pointers by Dante DiVincenzo. They got it to eight, and then the Suns, you know, broke out the can of whoop ass and pulled away. <laughs> they missed him. Remember Otto Porter on Christmas Day hitting big shots for them to win a game here. Well, they miss him. In they Phoenix, miss they Lee. Miss him, they, right. they, they do. You know, they miss those guys. Belika. They miss Belika. They miss. Yeah, the, they had a veteran bench, and now they don't. And I think without that bench, I think that they're, you know, those young kids are just really, really struggling. Alright, there was a report out last night about a potential trade involving Jay Crowder and the Phoenix Suns. I'll give you all the details on what was reported, and I'll tell you whether there was any truth to it or not. That's next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right. Last night, uh, Jake Fisher, who does a very good job covering the NBA, I was actually on his podcast a few weeks ago, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo. He's got the book Built to Lose, how the NBA's tanking, uh, changed the league forever. He mentioned something about, you know, that he was hearing rumblings of a possible three-team deal that included Jay Crowder and the Phoenix Suns. Now, he put that out there. I'm going to tell you exactly what the deal, you know, that, that, that Jake had heard was going to happen was. And it was going to be Eric Gordon and... Um, and Hill to Phoenix, Crowder to Milwaukee, Sh- uh, Landry Shamit, Grayson Allen, and two second-round picks to Houston is what was gathered. Like, okay, this is you know this is you know what what the deal is. This is who it's going to be. And so it was a three-team trade that involved the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Houston Rockets, and the Suns, and jo- George Hill. And Eric Gordon would have came to Phoenix. Crowder would have went to Milwaukee. And Landry Shamit, Grayson Allen, and two second-round picks from Milwaukee would have went to Houston. Now, I did extensive, extensive work on this, like through midnight and then this morning. And what you know, what I what I heard was basically, and we just, we have we have a song to play when. Yeah. We usually, just play the song. 
It's uh that is is not going to happen. You can crank it up a little bit more. Let me enjoy a little blues to call right here. Get my mind over some of those Elton John songs from the concert. I'll stop singing Crocodile Rock. There we go. Alright, so a lot of times, you know, when 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 we shoot down rumors. You know, we like to play the Blue Oyster Cult song, Don't Fear the Reaper, right? We bring out the sickle and we cut it down. Um, look, you know, from Jake's perspective, I think he believes that Milwaukee was was engineering it. And, you know, you know, agents are trying to get this thing done. Jake Crowder had like a cryptic tweet, uh, not a tweet, on his Instagram, Instagram page. He had, um, what would you call that, an emoji? Yeah, like the, you call it an emoji. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And what was it, a clock ticking or a something like that? A clock ticking, like, yeah. like, oh, something's going to happen soon. And so a lot of people, there it is, a clock ticking, Boss Man 99 clock ticking. Now, again, I checked on this extensively, and it was news to the Suns. Like, there's, there's nothing to this. Now, I'm not saying it was made up, but there's nothing, that, you know, that, like... You know, maybe somebody was trying to push this agenda and trying to get it, but there is absolutely nothing to this. I even checked yesterday when we were down at the arena and everything was status quo. Status quo meaning like we're still talking to teams, but there is nothing imminent on a trade for Jay Crowder. The Suns will eventually trade Jay Crowder. I believe they will trade him for a wing player. I think in the, right now they are looking for a wing player. Um, and I do think that, you know, they, they, they're having meaningful discussions with teams, but nothing is close. But on this one right here that a lot of you saw on social media, that stuff is just not true. None of none of that rumor is true. And again, people hear things from agents and, you know, I, they can check with others. Maybe some another team is trying to there's, sometimes there's an agenda that an agent could push. Oh, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that. Try to push things along and try to get their client dealt. And I, I mean, I can see Jay Crowder's agent trying to push a lot of different you know narratives here to try to get himself moved because, hey, you know, with 20 percent of the season, just about 20 percent of the season done, Jay Crowder hasn't picked up a basketball in an NBA game hasn't played hasn't suited up so he wants to get with the team and he wants to get with the team quickly and the Suns are taking their time because they want to make the right deal Jake Fisher listen he does a good job and he does a quality job and here's the thing good reporter you you don't want to say somebody made something up because I don't think that's the case here. First of all, it's way too detailed for him to sit in his basement and make something up. He's too good of a reporter. He said, word is the Suns that. appeared close yeah. to finalizing a three-team trade involving Jay Crowder prior to tip-off tonight against Golden State. So word is that the Suns appeared close to finalizing a three-team trade. So, but, I, but what, again, I'm telling you that that, like, that, part, that, that, was, that part was just not true. Somebody may have told him that from another team or something, but from the Suns' perspective, they, they weren't in on any three-team trade. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe that's a deal that interests both Milwaukee and Houston. Yeah, and certainly maybe may- talking to Milwaukee, but the Suns were never in on this. You would think if Milwaukee would leak that to Jake Fisher, they would have at least had a conversation with Phoenix. Well, let's, let's, let's approach it this way. Yeah. Let's say that trade eventually does make it to James Jones's desk. Would you like that deal? They could have had Eric Gordon last year. They didn't want him. Could have had Eric Gordon last year. Several times. And- they didn't want him. They didn't want him at the salary because he had a full year left on his contract after last year ended. Um, but I like Eric Gordon was one of those names that I had to chase down a whole lot. Now I'm not saying that they 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 won't uh, won't get him. But the Rockets and I reported this on June 23rd. I reported this. The Rockets want a first round pick for Eric Gordon. 
The owner in Houston loves him, so they may help him go where he wants to go. He didn't want to leave last season. He was comfortable in Houston. He can still get his shot and a basket when needed is still good defensively. But this is what I reported on June 23rd this year, that he, the owner in Houston loves him, so they may help him go where he wants to go. But last year, he didn't want to leave Houston. He was comfortable there. And the Suns weren't interested in him last year. So now back in 2012, I mean, I go back to my tweet. Here's my tweet, July 3rd, 2012. The Suns are highly likely to make Eric Gordon a max offer. To this point, they have not made Beasley an offer, but they're considering it. And the Suns did sign Eric Gordon to an offer sheet uh, eight days later. So on July 3rd, I reported that the Suns are going to sign him to a max offer sheet. On uh, Eight days later, on July 11, 2012, they did sign him to an offer sheet for four yes. years and $58 million. So I, like eight days earlier, I had that. I'm telling you, the Suns have always liked Eric Gordon, but last year they didn't want him. Last year they didn't want him. I don't know that they would want him this year. I can't rule it out completely, but I can rule out that there was nothing from the Suns' perspective on a three-team trade that got was close last night. So bizarre how that happens. Anyway, I mean, listen, Gordon's been around a long time now. He's in his 14th year. He's 33 years of age. George Hill's even older. I mean, Hill's been around forever. Uh, he's 36. The Suns definitely need another wing. I mean, that we can a agree wing. on. Whether it's Eric Gordon or a player to be it's a wing n- named and defined later, they need a wing. They want yeah, it's a wing that they want to get. And a and a wing and a wing that can shoot it a little bit, defend. I mean, that that that's the weakness right now, and they need that coming Not up. Not McCartney the and wings, but a wing, yes. a wing player. That's right. Look, even I'm going back because, you know, like, I love this. How You could just type in, like, at Gambo987, Eric Gordon, and see everything I put on Eric Gordon. January 28th, I reported I do not see Eric Gordon as an option for the Suns. And because there was a report on the Stein line, Mark Stein that was saying that the Suns are still pursuing a shooter at the deadline, and then, you know, Eric Gordon's name came up, and I said, no, I'm telling you, the Suns do not want want Eric Gordon. This was January 28th last year. I do not see Eric Gordon as an option for them. So last year in January, the Suns did not want Eric Gordon. They did not want him. Now, could they want him this year? I don't know. Last year of his deal, it's a lot different than having him for the rest of last year and then a whole nother year with $20 million plus you're a tax play payer right now. So like that would have really hurt the tax even more. So I don't know. I'm just saying that the only thing I can say is 100% the Suns were not involved or or ever close to any three-team trade last night. At any point, at any point were they ever close to a three-team trade that's being mentioned here. Case closed. I wish Eric Gordon would just retire so he could stop being linked to the Suns. (laughs) Um, George George Hill, he can't can't help anybody anymore. No, and campaign's your backup point. I mean, I guess he could be the the third veteran guy. If somebody got into foul trouble, you might want a guy like that in the postseason. If, if but but also remember in terms of whether it's a, a Gordon or another wing gamble that a little it's a little different complexion now for the Suns roster in that last year Jay was your was your starting wing and Cam Johnson was coming off the bench filling that role obviously admirably but now even when Johnson gets healthy Johnson's your starter Crowder is gone you Tory Craig does some nice things I can't stress that enough but I think you want a better shooter in that role coming off the bench because you need bench scoring the scoring that you lost with Cam Johnson going to the starting lineup so yeah. a guy like Gordon. 
And again, he gives you a score. He gives you more protection. If book, if book is having an off game and Chris can't score and you're looking for somebody else that could score, he's a scorer. I liked Bogdanovich as a scorer. Um, I like, you know, I do like Eric Gordon as a scorer. Uh, now there are guys, there's a lot of free agents out there right now still haven't signed. People keep asking me about Carmelo Anthony. Look, man, they don't want Carmelo Anthony. No, they don't want Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I mean, can't play any defense. Like there is a, there is a, a type of player that fits the James Jones mold. That guy's got to be able to play a lick of defense. And also, the, the way the Suns play offense, Gamble, they move the basketball around, they run sets. Carmelo Anthony holds the ball and stares at his feet as he jabs, fakes, jabs, steps yeah. about seven times before making a move. I don't think they want any part of that. But there, Gordon, I was just looking. I mean, like, okay, he's still shooting it pretty well. He had five threes in a game last week, scored 19 points. So, you know, if that were ever a guy... You know, I I I I think given the Suns plight this year, not a bad name. The Coyotes set to take on the Las Vegas uh, Knights, uh, the Golden Knights tonight. We'll check in with the GM Bill Armstrong next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.